The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a fairly newsy Tuesday afternoon, December 5, PFT PM. A couple of goals that we have here. One, give you something to listen to on the way home from work or the way to work or during your lunch break or dinner break at work or just if you have some time to kill and you want to hear what's going on in the NFL. A supplement to PFT Live, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern every weekday. Things that happen since the conclusion of the program. And we spent a lot of time on Tuesday talking about the two big hits from the Monday night game between the Bengals and the Steelers. Juju Smith-Schuster, the illegal crackback blindside block of linebacker Vontez Perfect, and George Iloka, the Bengals' safety, who applied an illegal helmet-to-helmet hit against Antonio Brown of the Steelers on the catch that would go on to tie the game with the extra point, 20-20. Steelers win, late field goal, 23-20. Both players... Smith-Schuster and Iloka suspended one game by the NFL. Now, I thought Smith-Schuster deserved a suspension for his hit, a one-time only hit, a devastating Danny Trevathan-style hit. I'm glad the NFL didn't allow the outcome of the hit. By all appearances, Vontez Burfecht did not suffer a concussion. I'm glad the NFL didn't hinge the suspension decision on a concussion. All too often, I think the NFL gauges the punishment based upon the outcome of the illegal hit. And I think dangerous activity is dangerous activity regardless of whether or not the person on the wrong end of it suffers a concussion. I was surprised by George Iloka's hit. We've seen that hit before many times not result in a suspension. It may just be a PR effort by the NFL, given all of the discussion, all of the attention, all of the focus, Because it was a Monday night game, a standalone contest that more people saw than would see a game that starts at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, the NFL may have felt compelled to create the impression that it's acting aggressively in response to those hits, especially the Aloka hit. And then if on appeal the suspension is reduced, so be it. I'd be surprised if Aloka's isn't reduced because it wasn't that same devastating hit that we've seen that has triggered a suspension in the past. Now, the problem is, and it's a problem from the standpoint of consistency and predictability, we just don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how much Derek Brooks and James Thrash, the two hearing officers, are tied to precedent. You know, in a court system, precedent is critical because... What happened in prior cases drives what happens in future cases. That puts predictability and consistency into the system. And you look at the reasoning, you look at the facts, you look at the circumstances of other cases to help you decide what's appropriate in the current case. And there are efforts by the lawyers to say how this case is different from the other case and how it's similar to the other case and why the punishment from the other case should apply or should not apply to this case. I don't get 
the impression there's a strong sense of that. It just feels like case by case, whatever the hearing officer feels like doing, he does. And I think that it's incumbent on the NFL and the NFL Players Association to have a system that feels less arbitrary. Because right now it does feel kind of random and arbitrary. And how do you justify? Now, this goes to the decision by the league office that is subject to appeal. How do you justify a one-game suspension for Rob Gronkowski, who essentially committed a criminal act on Tredavious White on Sunday, with two other plays that get one-game suspensions, but those were hits occurring at least during a play? The, the players were defenseless, less defenseless than Tredavious White, who had no idea that Gronkowski was going to jump off the top rope. But it feels like what Gronkowski did was worse. It feels like he should have been suspended more than a game. So to suspend Smith-Schuster and Iloka for a game, it's almost like the NFL doesn't compare them from game to game. I really do believe PR factors made the suspensions as significant as they were, the decisions as significant as they were, It was a hotly contested game, a lot of acrimony between the two teams. The Ryan Shazier injury that the news is encouraging, but he's not out of the woods yet. And it was a night when I think a lot of people were wringing their hands about football. I saw a lot of people, a lot of media members, oh, it was a bad night for football. Oh, it was a bad, yeah, the rating was up 30% from last year's Week 13 Monday night game. Bad night for football. I feel like the NFL felt compelled to take a stronger stand than it would have taken if this had happened as part of the cluster of 1 o'clock Eastern games on a Sunday, especially with the Shazier injury, which was not the result of any type of illegal hit or unsafe play. It falls into the bucket of things that happen potentially when you play football, and we continue to hope and pray that he will be fine. So the process going forward on Wednesday, a bunch of hearings that already were set for consideration by Derek Brooks and or James Thrash. Those are going to get bumped for the emergency hearing in the Juju Smith-Schuster case and in the George Iloka case. And we'll find out by tomorrow night whether either or both players will be suspended for next week. The Steelers have the Sunday night showdown against the Baltimore Ravens. It's more important for them strategically than it is for the Bengals and Iloka. The Bengals essentially out of it at 5-7. and seven. They host the Bears on Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern. Gronkowski should have his appeal hearing completed by now. A decision should be coming soon, maybe by the time you hear this. I'm actually going to... One last thing about the Smith-Schuster suspension. The decision from NFL executive John Runyon seems to take into account the taunting, the standing over perfect after the illegal hit. That that shouldn't matter. There's nothing unsafe about taunting. The hit is what matters. It, it almost feels like an effort to, to make it a bigger deal than it was by adding the taunting to the decision. I, I'm not a big fan of that because I, I don't think you suspend a guy for taunting. You suspend the guy for the illegal hit. And, and if you start throwing the taunting into the mix, you, you dilute the message that you hope comes from the suspension for the illegal hit, the unsafe hit. There's nothing unsafe about taunting. So I don't like that aspect of it. Now as to Gronkowski again, I've, I'm checking as we speak. 
At the time of taping this, about 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. No ruling yet. By the time you hear this, there may be a ruling, will be a ruling, should be a ruling, could be a ruling. I hope the ruling is that Rob Gronkowski's suspension is upheld. And I really wish he would have not appealed the suspension. I wish he would have just taken his medicine and moved on. I saw somebody on Twitter say, well, do you say the same thing when guys have domestic violence suspensions or DUIs? Well, if they're caught on video doing it and it's obvious they did it and it's clear they did it and they apologize for it, yes, they should. Ezekiel Elliott wasn't caught on video and he staunchly defended himself and he didn't have a fair opportunity to defend himself. If he's on video, yes, take your medicine. Ray Rice was on video, take your medicine as he has. Not voluntarily. He still was trying to get back into the NFL. He's still playing the NFL. If somebody called him today, I think it's clear now three years later that's never going to happen. All right. 14 years later and one week after the conclusion of a 200-game consecutive starting streak, Eli Manning will start Sunday. Further effort by the Giants to make everyone forget about the mess they created last week. The mess that was created by John Mara and Steve Tisch, one of the two or both. And I don't know why they don't get criticized more than they do. These are the guys who hired Ben McAdoo. If I'm a Giants fan, I want John Mara and Steve Tisch to have nothing to do with the hiring of the next coach. I want them to hire a president of football operations who then would hire the next coach and GM, although I can't trust them to hire a president of football operations. I've got misgivings about the decision to hire Ernie, of course, he is a consultant. This has the potential to be a mess. Maybe they'll get lucky. And when you listen to John Mayer explain yesterday why he did what he did, you almost think that he's trying to make the argument for not making change. You know, it's just a year where a bunch of crazy things happened. Okay, then then stiffen your lip and, and hold your head high and have conviction in the decisions you previously made. As I said yesterday, I think that Ben McAdoo and Jerry Reese ultimately guilty of not protecting a couple of billionaires from themselves, and now the billionaires are going to have to hire somebody else, and in the interim, Eli Manning is back on the field. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Eli Manning is back, and he will start on Sunday when the Cowboys come to MetLife Stadium. And maybe more fans will show up. Even if the tickets are already sold, the question is no-shows. You still want people to show up and pay for the overpriced beer and soda and popcorn, overpriced stale popcorn, overpriced cheap hot dogs, not cheap in the, obviously, price sense, cheap that, you know what I'm saying. That, you know, yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I'm a big fan of capitalism. But just because you can soak people for every last penny in a captive environment like that, where they, they're almost like they're at a casino where they don't think of money as money. Say, hey, we're, we're going to the game. It's what you do. You go to the concession stand multiple times. You get a, a, a jersey. You, you get a, a little foam football that costs five cents to make that they sell for $25. They, they, they take full advantage of it. The Falcons, the only team that aren't taking full advantage of it by charging reasonable prices and still surely making a profit for food and beverage at the stadium. But you need people to be there in order to make that ridiculous windfall. And having Eli Manning start probably ensures that more Giants fans will show up to support Eli and because they feel better about the team this week than they did last week. We'll see what Eli Manning can do after his one-week break. 
John Elway, Hall of Fame quarterback. Jury's out, firmly out, on his skills as a football executive. I was skeptical when he was hired, and then I ate crow when he won a Super Bowl, and now I'm eating crow over the fact that I ate crow, and I'm wondering, other than persuading Peyton Manning to be a Bronco, has he really done enough? He was on radio today in Denver, and Elway told Dave Logan of Orange Blue, Orange and Blue 760 that he's embarrassed by what's happened and that he won't make any changes to the coaching staff until after the season. Well, they've already made... One change, Mike McCoy got fired. That was a desperation move by Vance Joseph. I think that John Elway is going to fire Vance Joseph. I don't know it, haven't heard it, but my guess is, based on what we've seen from Elway in the past, he's not happy with this, and he's willing to declare that it was a mistake and move on. And if people want to criticize him for making a bad hire, so be it. He'll go make another hire. And I still wonder whether or not Gary Kubiak ends up coming back in some sort of a capacity with some sort of a reduced schedule where he's like the CEO of the organization or at least of the coaching staff. Elway will still be the CEO of the organization for all practical purposes. But almost like the model they're trying to put in place at Arizona State. Coach Emeritus, where you're not grinding away like a normal head coach, but you're there and you're pulling it all together. Maybe that's what the coaching staff needs. Either way, a huge embarrassment for the Broncos. Two years removed from winning a Super Bowl. Three and nine. In a season where it would have been very easy to take that division because the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders are each six and six. And who knows who's going to win that division. If I'm the Patriots or the Steelers, I don't want the Chargers to win it because I think they would be very dangerous in the postseason. Another team that will be very dangerous in the postseason if they get there, and it looks like they will at 8-4, and four, the Seattle Seahawks. Earlier this afternoon, I had an opportunity to speak to quarterback Russell Wilson, a guy who is becoming an MVP candidate, a guy who is doing it all, the one-man band for the Seattle Seahawks. Here is my discussion with Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson. Okay, and we're back and joining us now, as promised, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson, who's here on behalf of Microsoft's Create Change program, a video series which highlights how NFL players are using Microsoft Surface technology to aid their philanthropic endeavors. Visit surface.com slash NFL to check out Russell's video and how you can win two tickets to Super Bowl 52. Russell trying to earn a spot in Super Bowl 52. And Russell, there has been a lot of talk recently. I hear MVP all the time. How much of that do you hear and how do you react when you hear people like me talking about Russell Wilson being the NFL's MVP this year? Well, it's, it's obviously always good to be in that conversation, obviously. Um, that means you're, that you're doing some good things and also your teammates are doing some really good things and your team is doing some good things. I, I, I think, you know, honestly, you know, my, my focus is really just you know, helping our football team win and doing whatever it takes to win. You know, we're, we're very passionate about winning here, as you know, Mike, and uh, it's been a great, great year for us. We've gone through a lot of tough challenges. Some of our star players have gotten hurt and, you know, and aren't playing and everything else and, and Cam and Cliff and and Richard and different guys and, and um, you know so we've, we've overcome those things and we continue to battle continue to um, try to, to play at the highest level and, and, and continue to win in a big big way and so uh, we're right in the thick of it all we're right in the thick of the season it's December time it's, this is where all the great things happen this is where all the fun happens um, and uh, so we're excited about it. How other than the injuries how different is this team from the team that won the Super Bowl four years ago? Well, I think that um, 
we have a different mixture of guys, obviously. Um, you know, I think that, you know, our offense is really on fire right now. You know, Jimmy Graham has been lights out. You know, he's scoring touchdowns like crazy. Doug Baldwin looks better than ever. They can't, they're still, still trying to find somebody that can cover him. <laughs> you know, and then you got, then you got, uh, you know, Paul Richardson that's playing an unbelievable year as well. Tyler Lockett looked great. You know, he's, he's really back from his, um, you know, injury from last year and he's playing faster and quicker than ever. Uh, and then how about, how about JD McKissick and, and Mike Davis from the other night? I mean, those guys look special too as well. And so, um, you know, I think our offensive line is really, really coming together. You know, the addition of, of Dwayne Brown has been phenomenal for us, and he's really doing a great job protecting, and then the rest of the guys as well. So it's been it's been really, really good for us. And so I think we're electric. You know, I think we're doing some cool things. Every year is different. You can't compare it. You know, the year we won the Super Bowl, we had, one, you know, the best team in the world. And uh, we're trying to get there this year, and, and we're, we're, we're in that uh, the middle of, the, of that journey right now. Why do you think it's been so hard to find a go-to running back in the years since Marshawn Lynch left, that it's been this revolving door and it's one guy one week and it's one guy the next? Well, it's not it's not easy to, to replace a guy like Marshawn Lynch. Obviously, he's been great. You know, he's been great for years. But I, I think for us, you know, we've we've had some really really special running backs. That unfortunately, uh, they've gotten injured. You know, and you didn't think about Thomas Rawls. He got injured. He was actually one of the top running backs in the National Football League when he came out. You know, he was running the ball like crazy. He was on a he was he was he was going crazy on the on, on the National Football League. And then uh, he got injured, unfortunately. And then you know, a guy like C.J. Prosa. He's a great player too, as well. Um, he really, you know, showed out on, on some special nights and some special games, and and then he he's gotten injured a couple times, and so I think that's kind of been, um, you know, the process there that we've had to deal with. But uh, you know, we well, we we've, we've evolved, we've evolved as an offense, and we're doing some special things on offense in so many different ways. And and uh, as you could see the other night, Mike Davis can really run it. Um, you know, Eddie Lace is a physical runner, and J.D. McKissick is as fast as lightning. So you got to try to catch up to him. You play a position where there's constantly discussion about durability, the importance of being able to suit up week in and week out. For you, how conscious are you of the little things that we, we hear about from time to time, getting out of bounds, getting onto the ground, avoiding the kinds of hits that will cause an injury? Well, it's huge. You know, I mean, uh, the reality is durability and being available is, is key. You know, you think about to be able to go in game in and game out that's going to give your team the best chance to win. And so, you know, I'm very, very conscious of it. You know, I have to get down the slide, get out of bounds. And, and, um, but also you can't play scared either. You got to, you got to play tough nosed and, and everything else, you know, but you have to play really, really smart. Um, there's some really, really phenomenal defensive players in the national football league. And we have those guys chasing after you. Um, you got to make the smart move. You get compared to Fran Tarkin and when you are back there running around away from the defensive players. But, you know, Russell, for the past few years, I've seen a lot of Barry Sanders in you when it's time to take a hit because you can't avoid every hit. But you seem to have an instinct for taking a hit in a way that doesn't result in the physics being applied in a way that that injures you. Is that something that, that you're conscious of or is it just something that comes naturally? Well, Mike, I I know the uh, Fran Tarkenton reference. I guess we're both you know uh, quarterbacks that could scramble, but the Barry Sanders one—I've never heard that one before. I don't know. You I, like that maybe, one, don't you? You maybe, like that maybe, one. Maybe, maybe Barry and I are both short. Maybe that's where you get that comparison from. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but 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 seriously, you, know, though, I, I you think... do you do seem you do seem to know how to take the hits. Like when the hit comes, you 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 I, I sense you position your body in a way, and it may be instinctive where you don't get injured you take the hit the right way and it doesn't yeah, cause you, something exactly to uh, go right. haywire I, 
I, I think you do have to be very smart how you take the hit. I think you're definitely right about that 100%. I think, I think you have to be able to kind of, I don't know, torque your body and manipulate your body to this. that way you don't get crushed and, and uh, be smart about it, you know, and and um, be conscious of, of how you're going down and all that, you know, and also being really aware of the ball too as well. You know, it's, it's important to keep, you know, hold on to that ball. Um, and so, you know, those are all things that you, you, you visualize, you think about, and then you just, I don't know, it's, it goes back to the days when you're a young kid and you get to play outside and, and uh, dream big about, you know, playing playing football and, you know, and playing in the snow and everything else. So I think that's that's always key. You're now one week removed from your 29th birthday. Happy birthday on a belated basis. Do you think at all about how long you plan to play, especially in light of guys like Tom Brady talking about playing until his mid-40s? I definitely want to play to my mid-40s. I think it's something that I've been very passionate about and taking care of my health and, and really trying to um, – you know, really dive into the longevity now, you know, I really started, you know, I really started, you know, when I first came to the league, but, you know, uh, things have changed like financially, <laughs> really actually kind of invest into, uh, you know, my life and, and an end to my future and what that looks like, you know, longevity wise. And so, you know, for me, it's an everyday process. You know, I have a full-time trainer. I have a, um, Decker Davis. I have a, a full-time, you know, a chef too as well. And, and, and then Chef Andrea, and then I have uh, a full-time PT and massage person. So Janet and Carrie work on me. You know, I'm constantly getting work and, and, and getting stretched, and so that way my body can be super mobile and 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 and, uh, and can maneuver really well. And so that that's really key, you know, to feel fresh every day. And you know, I've always had a big dream of playing for a long time, and um, so that's always that's always key for me. You know, speaking of dreams, Mike. You know, as you mentioned at the top of the you know of of our little interview here too. It's you know you know with Microsoft and everything else. You know, and it hit me because I started talking about dreams. You know, it's been pretty cool um, to be able to work with Microsoft because, you know, when it comes to dreams, you know, we get to meet all these. I get to meet every little kid, you know, at Seattle Children's every Tuesday, as you know. And it's been really, really cool because, you know, to be able to, you know, um, encounter these young kids and to be able to talk to them about, you know, this idea of why not you. And it's, you know, it's my foundation, Why Not You Foundation. And to be able to partner up with Microsoft and to be able to discuss the idea of create change and to dive into, you know, this whole thing about how do, how do we create change. And it's been really cool with Microsoft because with, you know, Strong Against Cancer and, and to really make a difference with these kids who have cancer and, and to really still have them dream really big and to write out their goals and write out their dreams and to be able to still do their, you know, their, their rehab and, and everything else and stay connected to the doctors and nurses and everyone else. It's been really, really spectacular. And so I just wanted to make sure I said that because I, I, it's really important to talk about kids' dreams. And I think about when I was a young kid dreaming about football, as you mentioned me playing till I'm 45, you know, I, I, I want to play till I'm 45 and it's still a dream of mine. And I want to win multiple Super Bowls and want to do some great things, but the reality is um, I'm grateful that I get to do what I get to do every day, but there's some kids that um, are worried that, that, you know, if they can do even make, you know, even make it past 10 years old. And, um, you know, so I don't want to take that for granted. Hey, and it's, it's great what you do. I mean, it's the worst disease known to man. And, and oh, to yeah. have it happen, to, to have a childhood destroyed by that with, with you know a, a human being who is too young to even process what's going on to him or her it, it's great that you support the kids and the families who are going through uh the, the worst possible uh, uh disease imaginable and so uh, kudos to you for your continued efforts in that regard before i let you run 
Yeah. Uh, there's been so much talk recently. You know, we've got the Eli Manning is his career ending with the Giants. Tom Brady, very conscious of whether or not he may end up playing for a different team. And you're as committed to, to your team as any quarterback in the NFL. You've been saying go Hawks at the end of every interview and press conference for six years now. C- could, could you ever envision playing for a team other than the Seahawks at some point between now and your 45th birthday? <laughs> that's a great question. I hope I never have to play for anybody else other than the Seattle Seahawks. Um, that's a great question. I, I think that the reality is in professional sports, um, things change, you know, um, and times change and, and um, you know, coaches and people and everything else. And, um, you know, I, 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 would, I would love to play, you know, one of my, speaking of dreams, one of my dreams is to have always played for the same team for a really, really long time. And um, and my whole entire career, and uh, so if I can play twenty plus years, you know, one, one of my favorite players, Mike, and this this is away from football, but one of my favorite players in the world, Derek Jeter. Uh, I mean, to think about Derek Jeter playing for the New York Yankees for twenty plus years, and to be in New York City and play for that team and win multiple World Series, I mean, that is that is that is true, you know, excellence. That is true. Um, that's a, that's a true legacy, and uh, I, I hope that I can do that. I hope that I, I get the fortunate situation to be able to play for the Seattle Seahawks for 20-plus years and guys like Kobe Bryant who played for the Lakers, you know, for 20-plus years. You know, to think about that, you know, that's 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 one, that's a very, very good ball, and that's, that's some straight balling right there. And two, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's loyalty, it's love, but it's also um, the team still believing in that person as well. And so, uh, you know, I, I take one day at a time, you know, I'm just grateful for the opportunity that I get, and I'm one of 32 men in the world that get to do what I get to do, and I wake up every morning grateful that I get to do it, and and I get and I get to do it in Seattle. Hey, I'm glad you mentioned baseball because that lateral the other night, the lateral that looked like a lateral but really wasn't a lateral. What what kind of baseball <laughs> skills did you put on the ball to make it look like it was going backward when it was actually going forward? <laughs> that was that was a ball hit in in uh, you know in the middle of the line. You playing second base, you got to go up and get it with a glove and pitch it to shortstop. <laughs> that second base, he 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 flips it over the bag. You know, he gets to first base, double play, bang. You know, um, you know the thing was I kept moving forward, so that's why you know obviously. You know, um, it definitely felt it felt forward. It felt it felt like it was backwards to me. You know, everybody was concerned if it was forward or not, but it definitely felt backwards to me. But you know, it was a cool play. I know that that was fun. <laughs> that was some kind of Ephus pitch, knuckleball, something, because it came out going backward, but it curved forward. I I I watched it fifty times, and I still can't make sense of what I've seen. But just another example of why you've been so great at what you do, Russell. Thanks so much for some of your time. We'll check out surface.com/nfl for more about how players are using the Microsoft Create Change program. And best wishes to you and your family moving forward, Russell. Thank you, Mike. It's always a pleasure, my man. I'll talk to you soon, okay? All right, buddy. All right, go Hawks. Thanks again to Russell Wilson. He did almost get me there. I didn't think he was going to say go Hawks for the first time ever. His unblemished streak of adding go Hawks before the end of every interview and press conference still preserved. And hard to imagine him playing for any team other than the Seahawks. But I guess that's the news that came out of it. Wants to play until he's 45 and intends to play for his entire career with the Seahawks, like Derek Jeter with the Yankees and Kobe Bryant with the Lakers. The Seahawks still can win the division. If they win out, they'll win the division because that will mean they will have swept the Rams, they will erase the one-game gap between themselves and the Rams, and they will hold the tiebreaker by virtue of that sweep. So they would win the NFC West. And the Rams have an intriguing problem 
this weekend with the Eagles coming to town. They are, according to Coach Sean McVay, preparing to use the silent count. You bet we'll make sure we have some contingency plans in place, Coach Sean McVay said. They're anticipating crowd noise from Eagles fans. They're anticipating having to use the silent count at home. Another problem with this return of football to L.A. We've got two playoff contenders in L.A. this year. But the locals still are not embracing the teams. The fight for L.A. is the Chargers characterized it. Chargers or Rams? How about neither? Feels like neither so far. We'll see if that changes. And I was thinking that maybe the NFL would move the Eagles-Rams game to primetime because maybe that's the kind of thing that regenerates the excitement, gets people to turn up for the game, gets people fired up for the Rams. Didn't happen, but it's at least a late afternoon game. Not that it was going to be early afternoon L.A. time. It is early afternoon L.A. time, but it is going to be broadcast to a decent national audience. We'll see what the Rams can do in what feels like a big game as they try to hold off Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And then finally, Thursday night's game. The Falcons hosting the Saints. Dan Quinn, he wants it to be loud on Thursday night. It has not been loud yet. Remember, this is the team that was using face, fake crowd noise a couple of years ago. They got busted for fake crowd noise. They want real crowd noise. They want excitement. They want urgency. And just as the Falcons were starting to climb back into things, three straight wins, got to 7-4. and four. They lose at home to the Vikings 7-5, and five, and it's a different vibe now. And they may end up on the outside looking in. I mean, right now you've got the Eagles in the east, Vikings in the north, Saints in the south, and Rams in the west. And Seahawks, Panthers, the inside track to the other two playoff berths. It's going to be hard for the Falcons. They play the Saints twice in the final four weeks. I still don't like scheduling that has the first of two games between division rivals in December. But the Saints and Falcons play each other twice. Opportunity for the Falcons to, to pull their way back into it. Opportunity for the Saints to ensure they won't have to face the Falcons in the playoffs. And I continue to believe very strongly the last thing you want to do as a division champion is have a division foe show up in the postseason. Great chance for the Saints to knock the Falcons out. But right now it sure looks like the wildcard teams are going to be the Panthers and the Seahawks or the Rams. We'll see how it all plays out. With... Aaron Rodgers lurking, running the scout team this week, lurking. Boy, if the Packers get in, remember my prediction from last week? If the Packers get into the playoffs, they are going to get to the Super Bowl. But right now, 6-6, six and six, they got plenty of work to do. They're two games behind the Seahawks and the Panthers. All right, that's it for today. Thanks for some of your time. We will do it again tomorrow. I'll take your questions, and maybe we'll do five-down territory. Whatever other news is going on in the NFL, we'll get you up to speed here at the PFTPM podcast. If you like what you heard... Go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the podcast, rate it, review it, lather, rinse, repeat. Thanks for some of your time. See you tomorrow. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. 
we come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.